0: Appreciate you sticking around for our two of Oilers now on 630 Chad brought to you each and every weekday by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Great conversation going regarding your stance on Jake Furtanen, professional tryout offer. If not him, who would you rather see? And would you rather them make a move like, say, getting rid of Yessa Pugliarvi, or would you rather see them keep someone like Yessa Pugliarvi if it means not bringing in a guy like Jake Vertanen? Let me know. 780-496-0063. That's the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue open Monday to Saturday. NHL insider John Shannon coming up in a little bit. We'll back it out and look at the whole league then, but as we do each Wednesday with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, we'll sink our teeth right into this Oilers team, which, David, if you look on the email we got yesterday, has officially commenced Oilers rookie camp today. I guess that means the offseason is officially over today. <laughs> About about time good to get some hockey
1: back isn't it yeah it'll be great I'm looking forward to seeing some of these games on the weekend and I hope the streaming is good online sometimes it's kind of iffy but um, uh, sometimes it works out so I, I hope we can the games are comprehensible if you're watching on your computer
0: well I know Bob's broadcasting one of them so don't get your hopes up too high <laughs> 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 Ooh, I, boom! I think uh, he and Brendan <laughs> Parker have the game against uh, between the Oilers and Calgary on Saturday it'll be Jack and Jamie Thomas broadcasting tomorrow. Tomorrow's or sorry, Friday's game, and then Cam will be splitting duties with one of Vancouver's broadcasters on Monday. So everything technically works out. You've got a pretty good set of pipes on each one of those games. Um, excited, David, uh, to see a number of the players going down here. But my first question to you, just as you know, an avid participant in this show, is just this: How big a deal do you make out of the fact that Edmonton is in fact sending four first-round picks there? It's last for first-round picks. Is that as significant to you? I don't
1: know how big a deal that is, Brendan. I mean, it, it, it can mean, like, when you have a lot of first-round picks um, on your team, it can mean like that they haven't panned out and made it to the nhl yet um that's what it's meant sometimes in the past with the oilers um or it can mean you've stocked your system like you're you're ripening them properly uh by having all these first round draft picks and you know you're you're developing them properly so it it can mean a number of different things and we don't know yet all we can say with these four players is that um they seem to be progressing well after their draft years um There's players who are drafted around, some of them who are doing better and some are doing worse. But each of these players seems to be on track to becoming an NHL hockey player. I mean, Dylan Holloway got really a a major setback with injury, Um, you know, breaking a scaphoid and having the surgery go bad the first time. But he seems to have rebounded pretty well. Um, uh, Xavier Bargo looks. He he also had injury problems this year, uh, but seems to have rebounded from them. And he had a great season. Philip Broberry had a great season in Bakersfield. He um, his points per game was 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 really strong, and he seems to be kind of developing at the same rate as Oscar Kleffbaum did when he was the young Oilers prospect. Uh, Reed Schaefer we're yet to see. So we, I'm I'm excited to see Reed Schaefer. I've never seen him play before. So that's that's the one I'm really looking forward to. Although I'm hoping that Philip Broberg really dominates uh, this series
0: as well, and and maybe that's the key right there is for these players. It's not necessarily just about going there. If you're Dylan Holloway, if you're Philip Broberg, these these older players, you know, Holloway at 23 years old now, uh, it's time to dominate the 19-year-olds because I think the expectation is you will be playing with the big guys in some capacity this year. Maybe not. For say a Xavier Borgo, but I look at Dylan Holloway and I look at Broberg, and that's exactly what I think. It- a big
1: moment for both those players because they both stand a good chance of making the Oilers this year. So they, I agree, like, I'm not expecting Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid to have to dominate anything in preseason. But from the first moment these guys are on the ice um, at, at training camp and in this rookie camp, they've just got to bring it uh, in order to make it on the Oilers this year because there's a chance both neither of them will. There's lots of competition. So um, I expect that to happen. And I, I, and and may surprise, he's a high skill player high skill winger typically sometimes players like that need a little less time in the AHL to develop into nhl There's like if you have that elite scoring sense that could be enough to drag you into the nhl pretty fast to get you into the nhl pretty fast and you know defensive responsibilities are less for a winger than they are for centers and defensemen considerably less so um i mean he's a dark horse even to make the team this year not likely but it could happen
0: Chatting with David Staples right now, the value of entry level contracts going to get more and more so when, you know, a guy like Darnell Nurse's nine million plus a year kicks in this year for example leon dreisaitl will not be an eight million dollar player forever so having some of these guys come in and make these contributions david especially now as a, as the team starts to really push to to be that cup contender if not a cup favorite at some point in the next couple of years uh, you're gonna have to have some guys that can produce at, at 750 or nine hundred twenty five thousand dollars.
1: Yeah, it seems like the NHL. Brennan is moving into, and and I'm not. I haven't done like a, a survey to make sure that I'm just certain about this, but it seems like we're we're moving towards an NHL where you're going to have this kind of a, a elite group of players earning, you know, uh, five million dollars plus, five million dollars to to thirteen million dollars. And this will be 10 players or so on each team. And then underneath that, there's going to probably be a layer of players who are earning close to the minimum. And, like, it, the middle will be squeezed increasingly. Um, somewhat hard to squeeze the middle, though, I, I should say, because of arbitration, like Yamamoto and Pilyarvi. They they could take it to arbitration and they get bigger contracts. But that'll be the push. And, um, yeah, so you're going to have – like, whoever wins these bottom jobs on the Oilers, they're not going to be earning two or $3 million. You know, they need a number of players to make around a million dollars or less. The league minimum, I think, is 750,000, 760,000. So they need a number of players in that that slot. So whoever takes those jobs is going to be earning that amount of money or, uh, you know, not much more than uh, a million dollars.
0: What does it say to you when you've got these informal skates going on? You've got the major players there. They're getting early reps in with some of these younger guys. To me, the first thing that it says, for everybody out there, you're healthy. And most everybody was out there. I know Darnell Nurse is in town. I don't know whether he was out on the ice. But, like, even Ryan McLeod is out there skating. Uh, So when you see that, David, coming off of their performance, you know, how does that speak to you?
1: Well, I'm old
0: enough to remember, Brendan, when a lot of NHL players took the summer off
1: and came to training camp to get in shape. Um, Now, that's some time ago. Like, right now, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the uh, 1972 series. And it was not uncommon for players at that time to take the summer off, like, just relax and then come and get in shape in training camp. And this was a problem for Team Canada against the Russians. They weren't in shape in the early part of the uh, series. Now it seems like... Every year, there's just an increasing dedication um, to, to just incremental improvement, which means working hard all pretty much all the time. And yeah, you no, know, there's load management, so you'll take time off to let your body rest. But it's all scientific, geared towards the highest possible performance. So I don't think it's just the Oilers, I'd be surprised. I think it's most NHL, if not all of the NHL teams, where you have the veterans working all the time on their nutrition, their exercise, everything they can do to get a slight edge. There's so much money at stake right now and so much competition. They've got to do this. So I think this is par for the course for an NHL team. They're all doing this. Uh, They're all working like crazy um, and getting the best possible advice from all kinds of highly scientific um, exercise and nutritional advisors.
0: And then, I mean, you're, you're basically at this point, by the time you enter the league, you've been ass- ass- assimilated or a part of that culture for uh, for a number of years. Like, you, you were groomed to be a high-performance athlete for years before you get into that scenario at this stage of the game. So it makes sense. I, You know, it's totally understandable to see uh, the off-season never really stops. The off shorter this year than it's been for this Oilers group and, and uh, decades, decades and that's a good thing and the excitement and and the re-energization that you see on a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins when he's talking to the media yesterday uh, it kind of puts or or I guess lives up to what I had imagined the excitement heading into this season would be once we saw Ken Holland's body of work in the offseason the players seem like they're really bought in uh, to what the the front office built for them yeah it's funny from my own perspective I'm kind of having
1: this odd reaction where like in some ways this is the most confident I've ever been as an Euler fan in in just such a long time since the since pronger came to town and um you know i, I just expect this team can challenge for a stanley cup can win the stanley cup it should be one of the favorites it's a you know final four team last year connor mcdavid drysettled settled this huge crew of veteran players in their late 20s early 30s um who are just outstanding and you know evander kane and Nugent hopkins and hyman and jack campbell cody cc nurse so this Great support crew and, and all kinds of young players bubbling up. So there's all kinds of uh, <laughs> reason to be optimism, but I still find myself like worrying maybe, maybe because um, my ex like I'm, I really think they have a chance, but I also have these moments of real worry. Like the, the other day I was thinking, Oh geez, to have they signed too many guys, in their 30s. Uh, is this core going to get really old fast? So the window for, for winning the Stanley Cup, is it going to be shorter than uh, one would hope? I, I did dig into that, though, and I looked at, um, you know, the oldest teams to win the Stanley Cup. It's not that uncommon for, you know, teams, with lots of veterans to win the Stanley Cup. And the orders, you know, in the, if you project out for the next five years, they're not going to actually have an inordinate amount of players over the age of 30 on this team, Compared to teams that have won the Stanley Cup in the past, um, that were older teams like the Detroit Red Wings under Holland, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs in the '60s, those are the two best examples of older teams that that won the Cup, and they had they had you know often six seven sometimes even eight key players on those teams, nine players on those teams on one Detroit Red Wings team, um, who are at, ten, 10 players, who are absolutely key players on those teams who are 30 and over. So the orders are going to have five or six or seven as we go along, but um, the window that they have is quite long. And as long as they, you know, McDavid's contract has four more years, Dry Settle's contract has three more years. And certainly in that time period, this is an just an outstanding window for the the Edmonton Oilers and it could be kind of a golden time for Oilers fans, um, uh, in terms of the playoff success we're gonna see. But I'm still anxious about it, I find like, you know, the, the it, it's 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 been a long Dark time between uh, Stanley Cup runs, in some ways for Oilers fans, uh, the decade of darkness. And I guess I have a lot of trepidation that think something could go wrong, like 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 happened after 2016-17, after the great uh, Oilers playoff run that season. Uh, you know, are things going to go off the rails again? I don't think so, but I still have that concern.
0: Well, it's set up so that it goes off the rails for thirty one out of the thirty two teams every season, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's you know. Uh, Is getting, that the but I, I will say, David, you know, obviously your your trepidation is is justified now. Certainly, when you when you look at the next three years, oh, I'm just reading your article here, and you know, Nuge is 29 now, Evander Kane is 31 now, Hyman 30, and Jack Campbell 30. If these are your elder statesmen, I'm looking at those as, as key contributors and productive contracts, first of all. And and then as they jive with those contracts of the superstars, I mean, you're still not aging yourself out of productivity by the time that this is done. So if it's not this year, maybe next year's. The, but all, bottom line is the window is is now wide open. And wouldn't that be bolstered if you can get a guy like Dylan Holloway, who has 35 or 40 points in a rookie season? if it happens that way.
1: You know that's true. So that's the that's the, when I dug into it. That's kind of the rational response to this. But be, because I live just you know an oiler hardcore oiler fan who just lived through the decade of darkness, it's still on my mind. The decade of darkness plus, which because it lasted another couple of years after it, you know the one good season. You know I can't get out of my head. You know the Milan Lucic situation. He was in his late 20s when it went. So they brought in Kyle Turris, who was just 30, and uh, he, he didn't pan out. He didn't come close to it. And there was just you know Andrei in his 30s got injured. There's just so many examples from that decade of darkness of players coming in who looked like good hockey players from the NHL, good uh, you know backgrounds and they just you- They just, for one reason or another, didn't pan out. Often because of injury, there was Ryan Whitney got injured, Sakura got injured. But often because they just fell off, too. So, it's hard to get that out of your head. I think it left, I think that decade of darkness left a big mark on me. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I just, there's something about me that still expects doom uh, from the Oilers franchise. And And it and even though last year was so great, it, it was it didn't dispel, it wasn't dispelled. And you know, we again, it was injuries last year with subtle and Nurse that really hurt them in the playoffs. So, injury could still rear its very, very, very ugly head here with this. That would be the biggest thing that could hit the Oilers. And but that you know, all 32 teams are equally at risk of that. I think so.
0: I can hear our listeners nervously nodding their head and agreeing <laughs> with you, David. So I'll ask you this one last question here, David Staples from the Cult of Hockey here on this Wednesday edition, and and that is this. By the time we talk next week, they will be into training camp, as I understand it. So, positional battles that you're looking at, if you've got one or two, I'd love to hear them. Well, we, everyone's still wondering
1: what's going to be happening on the right wing, you know. Uh, with Pulley rv Yamamoto, Derek Ryan. Um, I can't remember who else is in the running there. I, you know, I don't know if they would even. So, 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 what's going to happen? How's how is this going to shake out? You know, they obviously have a little bit of a cap crunch. They're talking. You know, they might have to go with 21 players. They, they got to juggle things around. So, so this is that's the biggest one. What's going to? How's that all going to shake out? Are they going to have to move Zach Hyman over there? Um, is someone going to get traded we still don't know so that you know that's on we're still debating Yes, has to pull Um uh, months and months and months of that debate i'm sure everybody's kind of sick of it by now but you know there's until it's until it's sorted out one way or another you know until he actually grabs a spot and holds it or gets moved out we're going to still have this debate uh going on and the other one is on left defense you know can Brett Kulak move up? Is he going to be able to move up into the top four and, and get the job done? And will Philip Roberg, um, how's he going to fare? Or is he going to be beat, beat out by Sam Rukov, Nima Line and Ryan Murray? You know, that's another interesting one. Uh, I have, I, based on what CeCe did last year, I'm conf- I'm, I have high hopes, at least, for Kulak. But uh, right wing, uh, it's still a real wild card uh, what's going to happen there.
0: Looking forward to all of that playing out. David, thanks for jumping on the show this afternoon. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Bren. All right, David Staples, Cult of Hockey. You can find him on Twitter at Staples, Cult of Hockey at the cult of hockey. John Shannon coming up for NHL Insider after the 1.30 news here on 6.30. Chad, I know you've heard about the great variety of used vehicles that our friends at Brent Ridge Ford are proud to offer. They want you to know that the order bank for 2023 SUVs and F-150s is now open. If you want to be treated fairly at the time of purchase and then enjoy quality service after the sale, order your new vehicle from Uncle Milt, Johnny, Rich, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford. 11-time winners of the President's Award for Customer Satisfaction. Call 1-877-477-3673. That's 477-FORD. Time out. I'm calling one right here, right now. We'll bring it back with your text when we return. Looking at a wicked tattoo on uh, texter Mike out of a BC area code. Uh, Mike might live in town here. It looks like he's got uh, or was involved in in a beautiful Oilers mural. Uh, easy for me to say, an Euler's mural that is up on 118th Ave here in town. Uh, but Mike, love the tattoo, man. Thanks for texting that in. Um, Jesse wants to know why, uh, and and I'm sure it's not just Jesse, wants to know why David keeps saying broberry. That's how it's pronounced in Sweden. The G is, uh, is a Y. In Sweden. So David uh, David ops for that one. Uh, Russ has texted us saying he believes that uh, Jake Vertanen deserves a fresh start. Found not guilty, time to drop it and move on. People st- uh, need to stop uh, listening to everything that they hear on social media. Sign him to a PTO, then a, a $750,000 contract. That's a huge win for the Oilers, says Russ. And Russ isn't the only one who thinks that it's uh, not a bad idea to bring Vertanen in. Brandon from Windsor, frequent texted to the show, says, How about Holloway, R.N.H., Vertanen as a third line? You can trade both Fogle and Paul That would be some uh, impactful work from the general manager's chair. That would be nearly $6 million cleared off the books. Uh, But you're asking a lot of Holloway. And there's not to say that he couldn't step up and fill that role. But you are asking a lot of that, kid, if that's the case. And Vertanen is, is a roll of the dice. So you're, you're standing there at the craps table and you're praying you don't throw snake eyes if that's your third line, Brandon, from Windsor. Uh, Mark says he would keep JP and shop Yamamoto instead. Uh, how about on the, on the PTO front, uh, other names like Cedric Paquette, Michael Dalcall, even a PDO on uh, Zdeno Chara. We've been hearing about Zdeno Chara possibly sort of rounding out Edmonton's defense for a couple of years. I just don't see it happening. First of all, I don't think at 44 or five years old that he can play the game at the rate that it needs to be played. Laterally, I don't think he's got it anymore. Would love the grit, of course. I'm not naive to that. If you could kind of trot him out there in the third line or third pair of defense in the playoffs, great. But... You know, do that for me at 38 years old, not 45. He's, uh, he's a little past his prime. We'll step out here one last time for a global news weather traffic update. When we come back, our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling.